Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Spring really is here, or at least I think so. Just a couple of weeks ago, there were three inches of snow that fell in central Missouri and across the Ozarks. It was quite a shock. The red buds were blooming. The dogwoods were in full bloom. I live in the woods. I glanced out the window, and the snow was stacking up on the dogwood petals. It was kind of an incredible sight. I actually had to go outside and take a few photographs. But it's warmed up since then. The turkeys are gobbling. Turkey season is on. People are catching lots of crappie. They're getting ready to bed up. Lots of big bass, some of the biggest bass of the year being caught. But I also know it's spring because I've seen the first bats flying around my house, picking off some insects. I always welcome those guys because it's said that they eat their weight in insects almost uh, every night. Don't know if that's true or not, but that'd be a lot of insects. But today I want to talk about a concern that's uh, been around for quite a number of years, but uh, <clears throat> the white nose syndrome is now being said to have killed over 90% of three North American bat species. That's pretty substantial. I know along uh, Missouri, you know, Missouri is known as uh, the cave state. There's over 6,500 wild caves in the state of Missouri. So we have a lot of cave clubs and a lot of people that like to go caving. But more and more, we've seen caves being gated by the Missouri Department of Conservation, as well as the National Park Service and the U.S. Forest Service. All these land management agencies have been concerned for decades about that uh, cave-dwelling species because there's notable declines and it's uh, gotten more serious as uh, time has progressed. But white-nose syndrome has killed over 90% of northern long-eared uh, little brown and tricolored bat population in less than 10 years. That's according to a new study published in Conservation Biology. Researchers also noted declines in Indiana bat and big brown bat populations. These findings are detailed in the scope and severity of white-nose syndrome on the hibernating bats in North America and underscore the devastating impacts of the deadly fungal disease. The research tapped into the most comprehensive data set on North American bat populations to date, which includes data from over 200 locations in 27 states and two Canadian provinces. And all the signs that you are seeing going up on the caves in the state of Missouri often talk about uh, the uh, white-nose syndrome and they ask that you stay out of the caves. And people often don't really take to heart uh, when signs like this are posted. But even one, one person going into a cave and transporting disease in or out of that cave can have a devastating impact on a cave uh, situation where bats are nesting or using his loafing areas. And, boy, that'd be a terrible thing. I'd hate to have that on my conscience to know that I didn't 
uh, destroyed the entire ecosystem of a cave just because I couldn't, couldn't follow rules and regulations. But the finding of those reports represent the work of 60 individual collaborators, 37 organizations, and hundreds of field technicians and volunteers who participated in one or surveys of bats over a 23-year period. The data was compiled by the North American Bat Monitoring Program, known as NABAT, which was established by the U.S. Geological Survey and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, along with many partners to improve conservation science for bats. The service leads the national response to white-nose syndrome through a collaborative effort that includes coordination among state, federal, tribal, and non-governmental partners. The HC also grants to institutions and natural resource management agencies to advance disease research and identify new solutions. Since 2015, NABAT has been building infrastructure and coordinating efforts in response to the need for continental-scale monitoring to inform management of white-nose uh, syndrome, as well as other threats to bats. The impacts of uh, white-nose syndrome on bat population have been swift and severe, but we're not without hope, uh, said Jeremy Coleman, the National White-Nose Syndrome Coordinator for the service and author on uh, this paper that I'm actually reading to you now. Through strong collaborative efforts with this analysis, we continue to learn more about the dynamics of this disease, and we will build the infrastructure we need to conserve native bats for future generations. Hey, we think that uh, uh, bats may not be the, all that important, but, you know, they're great for recreational purposes as well. I get a big kick sitting out back of the evening as bats dive and dart over my pond. I know they're picking off lots of mosquitoes and mosquito larvae. So, hey, they help keep uh, things pretty cool around my place, get rid of a lot of the bugs. So uh, I'm concerned about the bats as well. But white-nose syndrome is a disease that affects hibernating bats and is caused by an invasive, cold-loving fungus. The fungus grows on the bat's skin, disturbing their hibernation and resulting in dehydration, starvation, and quite often death. First documented in New York in uh, 2006, white-nose syndrome has since spread to 35 states and seven Canadian provinces and has been confirmed in 12 North American bat species. The severity of the impact of this disease on bat population is staggering. We found that 9 out of 10 bats of the most vulnerable species are now gone. That's 9 out of 10, said Winfred Frick, the chief scientist of Bat Conservation International and an author uh, on this paper. Uh, bats are essential to our ecosystems are, and are results that stem from working with so many biologists across the United States and Canada focus our efforts on how to best protect these important mammals. He goes on to say, with this collaborative study, we clearly eliminate the scale of the loss resulting from white-nose syndrome, which is both quantitatively severe and geographically pervasive, said Carl Herzog, senior wildlife biologist for the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation and the author on the paper as well. The story it tells is grim, to be sure, but having a clear view of what we are up against is an important precursor to mounting an effective management response. 
And, you know, it seems like uh, this in so many other conservation situations, we wait till things get uh, very difficult before we really start paying attention and trying to do something about it. But limited multi-state range-wide analyses of once common bat species have made it difficult to understand the role of local populations in overall species viability. Ongoing declines in northern long-eared bats led the service to protect the species under the Endangered Species Act and to initiate reviews of little brown bats and tricolored bats. Individual states in Canada have also enacted additional protection for bats, and we've seen that in our part of the country, particularly with the closing of caves. And people hate to be closed out of caves, but it's absolutely necessary in this given situation. State fish and wildlife agencies welcome the opportunity to, co- to collaborate on this important evaluation, said Jenny Dixon, Wildlife Division Director for the Connecticut Department of Energy and Environmental Protection and Chair of the Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies Bat Working Group. We're pleased to be able to share the data collected through projects frequently funded by federal grants to help quantify the extent of this conservation challenge. It helps others understand what we've what we've seen firsthand, once common species have declined by over 90% in less than 10 years. There's no known cure for white nose syndrome, but scientists worldwide are working together to study the disease and ter- determine how it, can be, how it can best be controlled. Bats eat insects and are critical pest controllers. In the United States alone, bats are estimated to save farmers at least billion in pest control services each and every year. The loss of so many nighttime insect predators can have cascading effects on the environment with potential to affect forestry, agriculture, and even human health. That brings me back to the mosquitoes. (laughs) For more information about this topic, though, and about white uh, nose syndrome, you can visit www.whitenosesyndrome.com. Now a little bit about the North American Bat Monitoring Program. Launched in 2015, the North American Bat Monitoring Program is a continental program that monitors bat at local and range-wide scales. NABAP provides reliable data to promote effective conservation and long-term viability of bat populations and is jointly led by the U.S. and Fish Wildlife Service and the U.S. Geological Survey. Participating members include U.S. Forest Service, National Park Service, and other federal, state, and provincial agencies and the United States and Canada, local and regional agencies, native tribes, academic institutions, businesses, and conservation organizations. For more information, visit nabatmonitoring.org. That's N-A-B-A-T monitoring.org. And about Bat Conservation International, founded in 1982, Bat Conservation International has grown into a global conservation organization dedicated to ending bat extinctions. Bat Conservation International's goal is to redefine what is possible in global conservation through the utilization of cutting-edge tools, technology, and training to create a real measurable impact. For Im- more information, you can go visit uh, batcon. Dot org, S-B-A-T-C-O-N dot O-R-G. Bats, boy, we take them for granted. 
But uh, if you fish very much around ponds uh, late in the evening, you'll see bats zooming in and out and picking up the bugs, catching them in midair. And, of course, we always have to mess with them a little bit. Quite often I've picked up a rock and thrown into the air just to watch the bats dart and dive. And, of course, the kids get a big, uh, big uh, charge out of that. But besides the fun, they're very important to our environment, the ecology of given areas. And uh, I encourage you, you know, as an outdoorsman, a fisherman, and an angler, please follow the, uh, the rules and regulations. If you're in state parks, national forests, uh, national parks, uh, abide by the signs. Don't interrupt bats in caves and other areas where they may hang out. Because they are important to us, and you know, here we are seeing uh, three species of bats that have declined by ninety percent in the last ten years. And you know, we watched our bees and other pollinators decline too. But we are making some great comebacks in the pollinator uh, arena, <clears throat> and it's taken people all across the world and all across the United States. And I'm happy to see you right here, say right here at our own local. Uh, Merrimack Spring Park, operated by the James Foundation. Uh, Wes and Kendra Swee are working hard to reestablish pollinator habitat there, and they've converted uh, uh, quite a few large areas of hay fields into pollinator habitat, but it'll take them about three years to get that done. But it's very interesting to watch the process, get a chance to stop by this summer and check out the wildflowers there. But remember, we're all in this together. Bats, bees, all those critters help it make it possible for us to live here on this great earth. Hey, I'm out checking some of those things out and going to hey take a look and keep up with this situation and, and see what kind of progress we make over the next year or two and trying to uh, protect bat species across the United States and across the world. That's just part of living the outdoor dream. I'm Bill Cooper, and I encourage you to try and enjoy your outdoor dreams. The Living the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Cowtown USA, Alps Outdoors, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, The Fly Rod Journals, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, and Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, 
will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.